Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. There's nothing in any of these pieces of legislation that's radical, that is unreasonable. We need to, we need to be real. Are we going to deliver universal pre-K to this country or not? Are we going to expand health care to our seniors and include vision and dental or not? I love Joe Biden saying there's nothing radical or unreasonable in here. Why aren't we just voting for this? And then you get AOC mentioning universal pre-K and also universal community college. That's not radical or controversy at all. We're just going to expand the number of years that taxpayers provide education for the pre-K thing. It's just daycare. And I can't believe everybody in the media goes along with the, I almost dropped an S-bomb, with the bull S that is universal pre-K. Do a little research on this. If you can find any documented evidence that it has anything to do with education, send it my way. It's it's not. They don't even make kindergarten mandatory. You know why? Because it's not much to it. Socialization is nice. The, the free child care is nice. Once your kids get there and you can go to work and everything like that, it's just child. Anyway, I got off the track. So Joe Biden says, um, nothing unusual or radical in here. Vote for it. Okay, we're going to add three more years <laughs> to human beings' lives. The taxpayers pay for everything. A couple of years of college and another year before school starts. That's not radical at all. Right. We're and, just... and, and, and astounding levels of spending on top of the already mind-boggling amounts. So we talked about this uh, hour to kick off hour one or two. I don't remember which one. Hour one. Um, and go back and listen to that if you want to get into more detail on this. But I took into some podcasts over the weekend, and I, I, it was like cold water being thrown in my face. This is a disaster to pass either one of them. We have already spent more money adjusted for inflation than we did on World War II. Because this pandemic has been that level of a crisis. We got hit out of nowhere with a with a crisis that has killed 700,000 people. And we've already spent $6 trillion that we didn't have. We were upside down when this started. We were spending a dollar and a half or more for every dollar uh, of money we take in before this hit. And we've spent $6 trillion already. And I want to point out that a lot of it was entirely not related to the pandemic. The pandemic was an excuse. Honey, pandemic's on. I probably ought to get a boat. Honey, pandemic's on, so we need medicine for the kids. Oh, and a new car and a new house and and, and a program that Johnny becomes a major league ball player. I mean, it's just the excuse of the pandemic was universal. It applied to all spending. Neither one of these bills can be justified with our current financial situation. It really is like your job is shaky, your credit cards are maxed out, you're behind two months on your house payment, and you think, you know, now's a good time to put a new roof on the house. We need a new roof. And I think we should go to Hawaii this year because the kids have never been to Hawaii. That's what we're doing as a country. It's insane. We are broke. We're beyond broke. Six trillion dollars already. And so now, and, and I, I admire the Democrats for doing this. They have, uh, you know, changed the Overton window or pegged the number or whatever you want to call it in such a way that even people on the right are acting like, well, if we just get the second bill down to two trillion, it'll be a win. No. Which added to the other one and a half would give you three and a half, which added to the six we've already spent would put you at nine and a half trillion dollars spent under the idea of COVID. And we didn't have 
that we didn't have a cent of that. We were all upside down before we even spent a cent of that. Right. It's like a bank teller is negotiating with a bank robber who's got a machine gun in his hand. How about we give you $50,000? Because that's the state we're in. Zero is the appropriate number. But we're we're begging to only give $2 trillion to this spending, you know, frenzy? Crazy. So I was listening to Charlie C. Cook on his podcast about this, and the only reason I mention his name, because most of you don't know who he is, is just if y'all do hear him saying this, I want you to know I was stealing from him. But as he says, and I think he's absolutely right and has been writing in the National Review, if we aren't going to do anything about this now, we never are. This is a point of no return. This is a... we. We just absolutely once and for all are throwing up our arms and saying we don't care. Um, we're, we're believing the economists because there are some economists that say debt doesn't matter, that you can just spend as much as you want. Um, it'll be fine. Uh, you'll just grow your, grow, grow your way out of it. But if, if we don't do anything about it now, if we go ahead and, and add on another three and a half trillion to the six trillion we just spent, then we just we, we're, we're trying something completely new. We're into a new territory now. Okay, this is what we are now. And we're doing it at the most irresponsible conceivable time because interest rates are so low. And so there is nowhere they can go but up. The load of that debt cannot do anything but become more onerous. The reason this is dangerous, it's the classic save for a rainy day situation that you learn, hopefully, as you become a grown-up. Yeah, you're doing okay right now, but what if something bad happens? So if you spend the money on your vacation right now and you got no money back, what happens if you have a breakdown with your car or you you know you get a health situation or whatever? You well, you just no money. print more money if you're the United States of America. Another pandemic could hit. There could be a war. There could be a, 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 a an economic downturn like 2008, and there's nothing we can do right now because we're at zero interest rate and we've spent ourselves into oblivion and we got no cushion whatsoever. And that's not the way the political class is talking about it. Even Republicans are trying to whittle it down to two trillion from three and a half, and it still will be a disaster. That I guess that's my only point. Either one of these is crazy where we are right now. Well, and you've had folks from yourself to Charles Cook to AOC pointing out we're arguing about the top line number and not the substance of yeah, what's being which spent is weird. and what it's being spent on. It's bizarre, honey. I need to spend eighty thousand dollars. Okay, dear. Who's ever had that conversation? On what? A boat? Cocaine? Your other family across town? Is it an investment? All of the above? What What are you talking about? Even if you agree in... All right, honey. 70000 I mean, that's idiotic. No human beings have ever had that conversation. Even if you gr- agree to another year of child care for everybody paid for by taxpayers or cog- free college or tree equity or any of the stuff that even if you agree with all that now's not the time this is like maybe the worst time ever to do that because we just spent six trillion dollars interest rates are at zero it's might be the worst time ever to do these things and 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 aoc and others are presenting it as if this is the best time we've saved all our money we're in the black we got all we social security everything's taken care of now's the time to tackle all these big issues we've been wanting to do right it's the opposite of the truth it's weird 
Oh, and and you know, one more accounting trick they use is they offer say free child free childcare. Well, like they call it pre K, but it's childcare. Um, and uh, they say, but it's only for three years, so that's it. It'll cost us a uh, let's see five hundred billion dollars. Well, you know that benefit is going to continue after that third year. That's the that's the most egregious sort of trick because an entitlement once granted is extremely difficult to claw back. So that that three point five trillion dollars is probably much much more than that over the course of the next decade it's really you know i don't know what an analogy is best or works it's you had to replace your place your roof you ever had to do that man mm-hmm. that's expensive it's a brute it is expensive so you see you had to spend seventy thousand dollars on your roof i don't know where you weren't expecting that and then as soon as that happens you tell your husband or your wife i think we should take that trip to europe this summer what <laughs> are you talking about we just had to replace the roof that's what we're doing. I think we should do universal pre-K, tree equity, all these different things, three and a half trillion dollars worth of things. What? We just had a pandemic that killed 700,000 people and we had to spend six trillion dollars to keep afloat. Now is not the time for free pre-K. Well, now is the time because the money's being thrown around so wildly. It's like, you know, you're on a drunk on your vacation. You're at some sort of all-inclusive resort and just drinking like a fiend. All of a sudden, money loses its meaning, and that's what they're counting on. I think both bills are going to pass. It's not going to be the $3.5 trillion on the second bill. It's going to be something around two, but that's still obscene. And, and people on the right are going to feel like they beat down Nancy and really stuck it to her by them only spending another, what would that up to, $3.5 trillion. Yeah. Which is going to drive make my head explode. So on a slightly different question, how are you as a politician supposed to deal with the lying legacy media or media outlets that are overtly lefties? You as a conservative politician. Well, a gent out of, uh, uh, he's a Nevada politician. He gave it to the paper in Reno. It's being called a master class in how to deal with the liberal media. Cool. I think it's pretty cool. And this guy is a rising star. Are you telling so, me that's next? Yeah, we'll play you that tape. You're going to uh, drop to your knees and say, Hosanna, coming up. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Tom Brady goes into Foxborough, plays his old team, the Patriots, and wins. And a nail-biter in the rain. Yeah, I missed it. I'd been watching so much baseball, I didn't think I could go there. Heck of a game, though. They cheered. uh, Well, we got the clip of them cheering him. They cheered Tom Brady when he was announced, then booed him on his first drive, so. Please welcome tonight's visitors, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Here comes Tom Brady off the opposite sideline. That's just it's just a show of respect, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's a thanks for everything. Now you're on the other side. Boo. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's funny. I, I was amongst a couple of people who were enjoying alcoholic beverages, Jack. Mm, I don't approve. <clears throat> Discussing the uh, the game and the whole, is it Belichick or Brady that's responsible for the Patriots' success and blah, blah, blah. And finally, I said, you know, it's possible that the two of them working together was a great combination. And uh, it was kind of both. Maybe. I don't know. Sorry. I'll shut up now. <laughs> Uh, Belichick is 26 and 31 without Brady in his career as a Patriot headquarters. But that's enough of that. Right, right. Well, a coach can be the greatest genius in history. He's got to have players. I got a friend who's a high school coach. He said, you got to have the Jims and the Joes. That's what it comes down to. The Jims and the Joes do tell. Is that like the facilities and the players or? No, the players just, just got to have. If you have the good players, you will be pretty good. And if you don't, you won't. Yeah, yeah. Well, I would agree. Uh, has having coached a number of teams when you're loaded with good players, you look like a genius. <laughs> so this is uh, this is making the rounds on the interwebs on the Twitter machine. Uh, this is a fellow by the name of Adam Paul Laxalt, who's a Nevada politician, and and I had it in front of me. I apologize, I misplaced it exactly what he's running for. I think it might be uh, you know treasurer or comptroller or something like that um, in Nevada, and he was uh, in the midst of a gaggle of reporters. And the, uh, the reporter from the, uh, Reno, uh, paper approached him and, and, and started asking him questions. And this is being called a master class in how to deal with the liberal media. Go ahead, Michael. Adam, what do you plan to do differently this year? James, uh, in 2018, you wrote Every single story you wrote was a hit piece on me. You wrote exactly zero stories attacking Steve just like my opponent. And to my knowledge, you've written zero stories about Captain Cortez Masters. You go write about a dozen stories that actually critiques the record of my opponent, and we can do an interview. How are we doing, guys? Really? Okay, I apologize. I found it. He's running for the U.S. Senate. So what he said to the reporter is, look, on this date, you wrote this hit piece on me. On this date, you wrote this hit piece. You are completely unbalanced as a journalist. You write X number of stories critical of my opponent's record, because there's plenty there, and then we can do an interview. Otherwise, I'm not talking to you. And then he turned to somebody else. Hmm. Because you can't mask, or you can't be an attorney. I came up with this over the weekend. Um, I was thinking about the uh, the ideological media, and they get to be that. I mean, the First Amendment protects it. I, I will fight to the death. You're, you're right to be that. That's fine. But if you're an attorney, quit pretending to be the judge. If you're an advocate, quit pretending to be the wise and neutral observer. And this guy called out the uh, Reno News and Review, or whatever the heck it is. It's a flitted out of my mind. The Daily um, Picayune. I don't believe that's correct. Not um, uh, if, as being an attorney, stop acting like you're the judge. If you're an attorney, I liked it, and it was gentlemanly. So New Zealand has decided that eliminating COVID was a stupid idea. <laughs> I tried to tell them that they didn't listen. So New Zealand and Australia, the kind of side by side down there. Um, they had gone with the Australian model of we're going to get rid of all COVID and like really, Zero really shut COVID, down. they call it. Yep. Yeah. So a uh, doctor quoted over the weekend, uh, I think it's finally a realization that the elimination strategy and the modeling that justified it must be abandoned in this country. The cost to business, the economy, mental health, and the national debt are too great. Uh, they had very, very low COVID for a while, and we're getting a lot of credit for the way they handled it. 
Then, like has happened everywhere in the world, every country, every city, every state, when the COVID finally decided to come there, it did, and it started spreading around. And so they realized, well, we got it anyway. We've made ourselves miserable, suicidal, um, and closed down all the businesses, and it's just dumb. But listen to this. You, you want to hear about strict... So uh, the first reopening step for Auckland and New Zealand, it's about a million and a half people, very small, will be effective uh, this week, Wednesday, will allow two households to meet outdoors with a maximum of up to 10 people. Wow. Which means until to this Wednesday, it has been against the law for two households to meet up outside. You can't even meet up outside. Right. Idiotic. Has nothing to do with science. I've I've been telling you, Australia and New Zealand have lost their minds. For a year and a half, it's been that way. For a year and a half, it's been against the law to go to the beach or hunt. That's so stupid. How have Aussies put up with that? Reminding you once again, there hasn't been a single known case of transmission outdoors in the entire world in a year and a half. Catch me outside. How about that? I can't. That's the point, dear. But they've decided this is a bad idea, but they're loosening up. But for the last year and a half, you couldn't meet with another household outdoors, and you couldn't uh, go to the beach. Which is just crazy. I'm glad we don't live there. So you saw those running street battles last week in Australia where the the cops were beating people down and getting beaten down. Just terrible violence. Now you know why. God, that makes me so angry. The former prime minister of New Zealand, who must be on the conservative side, said the country has become a smug hermit, hermit kingdom. And he's been against all this stuff. Meanwhile, in the U.S., cases down 28%, 14-day average. Deaths down 7%, but that's trailing indicator. Why? How? Cause just cause worldwide it's down about thirty percent. Why? Just cause because it no, doesn't it's sing. The, the brave masking mandates and the rest of course you couldn't have a picnic in Australia. You people <laughs> are you utterly unable to look at data? Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Socialism failing to work as it always does, this time in Venezuela. You talk about giving everybody something free and all of a sudden there's no food to eat. And who do you think is the richest person in Venezuela? The daughter of Hugo Chavez. Hello. Anyway, 0-2. You know, Vin Scully was a legendary announcer for the L.A. Dodgers for many, many, many decades. Even without commenting on monetary systems internationally oh yeah i I think he should have done more of it (laughs) i'd have loved it who knew and of course the best part of that is the transition away from the little speech about socialism anyway owen two. anyway (laughs) owen two. that's beautiful (laughs) one of my favorite things ever so why do we bring that up well one the baseball season ended yesterday and the dodgers lost and the giants won well actually the giants and dodgers both won but Giants win the division. Uh, actually, the reason I bring it up is Venezuela is in the news and their inflation is in the news, having been ruined by years of socialism. A new currency with six fewer zeros debuted over the weekend in Venezuela. Six fewer? Obviously, that would mean a million turns into one. If a you take- million dollar bill is now a one ski. 
Move it down. Oh, boy. Uh, whose currency has been made nearly worthless by years of the world's worst inflation. I hope we don't ever have that. I hope, I uh, say smart people, those of you who are actually econ majors or like have an advanced degree, do we have things in place to where that could never happen? We could never end up like Germany in the early 30s or Venezuela now or any of that. Do we? Let me finish the Venezuela story and then we'll get back to that. Our text line, 415-295-KFTC. The new bills were difficult to find in the capital of Venezuela where consumers' fears were that prices will continue to spiral upward, so people were hogging the bills. Uh, They quote someone, Today I went to the supermarket and everything was marked in dollars, says an office worker at a shopping center. In the end, I couldn't buy anything. I didn't have enough money. Before the adjustment over the weekend, the highest denomination was a one million Bolivar bill that was worth a little less than a quarter as oh of Thursday. Gosh. Wow. A million dollar bill was worth about 25 cents on Thursday. The new currency tops out 100 Bolivars, named, I assume, after Simone Bolivar, the, uh, of course. the George mm-hmm. Washington of South America. So I'd like to learn more about Bolivar, by the way. Interesting I, character. I know that. I just got into him last year. Freaking fascinating. Yeah. Should be should be a better known world historical figure. Anyway, uh, the new currency tops out at 100 Bolivars, which is worth a little less than 25 bucks until inflation starts to eat away at that, too. The million to one change for the Bolivar is intended to ease both cash transactions and bookkeeping calculations, which had become a, an exercise in juggling endless strings of zeros. Well, right. I mean, if you were going to buy like a used car, it'd be seven hundred and fifty trillion Bolivar. <laughs> right. I mean, how the hell do you enter that in your checkbook? So you'd have to have a giant novelty-sized checkbook. The first time I traveled around Mexico years ago was right after they had done a a tenfold decrease because of their inflation. A, a ten had become a one, mm-hmm. and there was still a lot of the old money floating around, and you'd have to like do the calculation or. Sometimes they'd have the price in both and everything like that. And it was just it was kind of interesting to me, even at a 10 to 1, how out of control it had gotten. A million to 1 is just unthinkable. Anyway, 0-2. Well, that is a system in collapse. One of the most oil-rich countries on Earth, killed by socialism. But don't worry, let's try it again. We'll get it right. A million-dollar bill was 25 cents. On Thursday. Yeah, yeah. A million units. Yeah. I feel for them. Can you imagine life? Those are the people just like us. Those are real human beings, real aspirations, loves and pains and frustrations and goals and the rest of it. But because they are ruled by an oppressive system, they are miserable. Well, that's what I'm asking. Could anything even close to that ever happen in the United States? Boy, that's a that's an essay question. It's it's extremely unlikely, but we do do we have things in place that we can't even get like the seventies, like in like nineteen seventy nine, nineteen eighty, when my parents bought a house for nineteen percent interest rate because of as did mine. Yeah, um, I uh, ten years ago I would have said absolutely no, that will not happen because the Fed has tools they can do. You know, blah blah blah. The problem is we're conducting this. I, to say unprecedented does not give it its due credit. We are conducting an insane experiment in government spending and government debt, the likes of which has literally never been seen on Earth in the modern era. 
because nobody nobody would uh, indulge, you know, Mexico or France or anybody else in the levels of debt that we're accumulating. Can you um, as the world's fiat currency? They're letting us do it. Yeah. Imagine what would happen to the world if we ever had that problem. Just, yeah, it'd just be complete collapse of the worldwide system anyway well and a collapse of government services in this country too sure so i i hope the answer is no that couldn't happen here but uh, we're giving it a good solid try um facebook and instagram are all down for some reason stocks you mean no no the 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 ability to use their website ah uh-uh. oh they're down down they're down oh. down Facebook and Instagram are down. So has that got anything to do with the whistleblower last night on 60 Minutes? Or is it coincidence? I Did Mark Zuckerberg say, that's it, and pull the plug? The wrath of Mark. Maybe he said, all right, these suckers want to criticize us and my godlike powers. We'll show them what it is to live without Facebook nor Instagram. Take this, peons. Take it. Now, how are you going to talk to your friends? Uh, by talking to my friends. What now? <laughs> what was that? What was that thing you just said? <laughs> Maybe we'll just like go to the same place and talk to each other or call each other and exchange words like humans have for millions of years. Damn you! Shouts Zuckerberg from the top of his ivory tower. Okay, this is a minute ago from the Associated Press. Facebook is aware of the problem and is working on restoring its access. Well, thank you for that. I figured you were aware that the biggest communication outlet in the world was down and doing nothing about it. Oh, you're working on it. Right, exactly. The alternative to that is Facebook was unaware it was down for most of the hour (laughs) and having found out is doing nothing about it. So thank you for that valuable news update. So what was the number they gave on 60 Minutes last night? 60% of the world that has Internet is on Facebook. It's 2.8. Eight billion people, or something like that. It's really hmm. a stunning number. Yeah, well, you got to give them credit for building a colossus, the likes of which nobody ever imagined. I'm just not on it. I don't want it. Get out. Don't want you in my life. I kind of wish I was sometimes because, oh, of course, yeah, things happen or people send me links and I just I can't check them out because I don't have an Instagram or a Facebook. But I don't I don't care enough to do it to get on to get on board. Yeah, and there are some people from my past I actually would like to be in touch with and see what they're up to and tell them what I'm up to. But that's that's the uh, that's the high. But with it comes the downside of the high and the addiction and the the negativity and the your data getting vacuumed up and the rest of it, which mm-hmm. they're probably getting elsewhere anyway. But, right. Right. Yeah. I got to call up the Russian mob. Do they have a number? Hey, I've run into a problem paying this bill. Can you guys look into it? Sure, Joe. No problem. I didn't tell you who I was. Oh, we got your number. Did anybody watch the uh, the new Kings of Eastwick? Or what is the name of that movie? The Many Saints of Newark? Yes. Did anybody watch that over the weekend? I meant to, but I had a bunch of personal crises up here. But Ah, uh, no. Absolutely. No, I'll not. be on that HBO. Alex, anybody? No, nobody. nobody. I'm going to sign up for the HBO thing again. Yeah, oh, I've watch never seen The cancel. Sopranos. So. You never saw The Sopranos? No, I've never seen them. Not once. That's well, crazy. it's about a rodeo family. They travel from town to town, winning the rodeo and solving crimes. It's I think a, you'd like it. It's a prank comedy show. I've seen the ending where he eats an onion ring and then the screen goes black. Does yeah. that count for anything? Yeah. Um, you should check it out sometime. It holds up. It holds up. Um, what doesn't hold up, according to NPR, is Seinfeld, which is about to show up on Netflix. They paid a heck of a lot of money for it. And according to NPR, young people are not going to gravitate 
towards Seinfeld because it's too white. So one of the most successful shows in the history of television is not going to work because it's too wet. Well, we'll see. We'll I swear, the NPR board of directors gets up every morning and says, how can we best annoy Joe Getty? What can we do today that will make him clench his teeth? It's too white. Some would accuse you of being a narcissist, thinking NPR is doing all their programming to annoy you. But <laughs> There are hundreds of millions of white people in this country. Some really? things are going, Jerry, Jerry, some things are going to be about white effing people, NPR. It's unavoidable, and it's okay. You ever watch TV in Mexico? They got a lot of effing Mexican people on Mexican TV, all right? They got a lot of people who look Hispanic there. You're going to see white people on American TV, and you can see other people, too. And at a time, which we talked about a lot last week, is where... Your bigger universities are having white-only dorms, black-only dorms, Hispanic-only dorms, so separating everybody by race. It's hot, man. It's hot. Segregation is in. It's it's so 21st century. They did some funny stuff on Saturday Night Live we should probably talk about. What did you think of the new Biden character? I thought, I thought, he, was, I thought he was good. I thought it was pretty good, and uh, knowing what's-his-face, I can never remember the guy's name. He's got three names. That's too many. Uh, it will continue to improve. Yeah. Oh, I Biden, didn't even look. Do we have any clips of the opening? Biden said... pretty funny. We, we could probably grab some. Biden said, the real Joe Biden, uh, said something interesting just a few minutes ago that I'm glad he said. Bring that to you next. Armstrong and Getty. Boy, a couple of things got to run through real fast as we're running out of show here. Um, Joe mentioned the decline in COVID cases. This ought to be stated again. Worldwide, cases are down 30% since late August. In the United States, we're down 35% since September 1st. Moving down. Those are stupid. Stunning drops. Well, that's because of all of the changes in policy since September 1st with the mask mandates and the keeping little children segregated by height and, of course, the elimination of the zebra plague. And the, the, No, everything's the freaking same. <laughs> Just went away. It goes up. It goes down. We Actually, we brought this to you uh, several weeks ago. The Delta variant seems to have a two months up and two months down pattern. Nobody knows why. Oil prices just hit a seven-year high. So if you're already liking the high price of gas, get used to it, apparently. Moving up. Over the weekend in Chicago, 43 shot. Holy cow. It's unbelievable. Every weekend. 43 human beings got gunshot wounds in Chicago. Yeah. And this, Captain Kirk, James Tiberius Kirk, is headed into space for real. William Shatner will blast off on one of Jeff Bezos' rockets. <laughs> Better be a big rocket. Why <laughs> do I want to throw an extra booster on there? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you Bill Shatner. He's a little, little softic. <laughs> if you want to actually escape the gravitational pull, maybe one more booster. 
<laughs> um, yeah, so Jeff Bezos is putting William T. Shatner into space. He is becoming the most gimmicky. I mean, he's trying to out-gimmicky Elon Musk, right? Well, Elon Musk actually put those people in orbit for a few days. Yeah, but you know, Elon Musk with his funny names, the big Falcon rocket, and the sending the car into space. So there's a bit of a... You gotta and the do flatulence s- noises on the Tesla plays. Yeah, you got to have some showbiz. You got to have some showbiz if you want to get attention. But William Shatner at age 90 is actually going into space. James T. Kirk. Awesome. Um, and then this was just serious. Kirsten, Kristen, Kirsten Cinema, uh, the secretary, uh, or I mean, the senator from Arizona... So she either teaches a class regularly or she was teaching a class over the weekend. She's one of the holdout votes on the infrastructure bill. She left the classroom and activists chased her down the hall. She went into the bathroom, went into a stall. They stood outside the stall and berated her oh. and uh, and then posted it to, uh, you know, to Twitter and everywhere else. And, and you know, activists and Democratic Party and on the on the left just thought it was fantastic that they chased this senator down the hall and screamed at her through the bathroom door. I don't think it's awesome at all, and I think it's going to lead to violence, and there'll just be a one-upsmanship on this sort of thing. By the way, what they are screaming at her is that they're uh, they're of Hispanic descent and dreamers, and their grandfather couldn't come into this country, or they couldn't visit their grandfather, or something like that. So what they're angry about is that we're not dealing with immigration in our infrastructure bill. We're too hard on the border, is their problem. And we don't put it in infrastructure to deal with it. Since when is immigration reform part of infrastructure? But anyway, it's not, according to the parliamentarian. Uh, what do we think of this tactic? Uh, reporter Ducey asking the president about that this morning. Joe Manchin had people on kayaks show up to his boat, T.L. Adam. Senator Sinema last night was chased into a restroom. Do you think that those tactics are crossing a line? I don't think they're appropriate tactics, but it happens to everybody from... The, the only people it doesn't happen to are people who have Secret Service standing around them. Um, so uh, it's, it's it's part of the process. It does That's a happen weak, to weak condemnation. So I'd say, since when does it happen to everybody? That's not true. No, it can't be true. I got to believe if this happened to conservatives, it would be all over the cable news. And I'm not seeing it. Conservatives? Or do you mean like progressives? If conservatives chased AOC into a bathroom. That's what I meant. Yeah. If conservatives, if conservatives were doing this, I got to believe it'd be all over the freaking news. But they're not. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Some 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 conservatives chase AOC into the bathroom and scream at her through the wall. Oh, my God. The country would have to come to a stop. And then she talk about how she was, you know, brought back her trauma from her earlier life and. Sure. Picture Marjorie Taylor Greene and a handful of her acolytes chasing down AOC. I saw the headline and was hoping for a little stronger condemnation. That wasn't a condemnation at all. No, that sucked. That was most of what he does. That was a, it's perfectly okay. You need to say that's absolutely out of bounds and shouldn't happen. That's weak. True international depression. With your hosts, Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Okay, somebody's got to explain that to me. What was that? <laughs> What's to explain? It's art. <laughs> was he tap dancing or? <laughs> I think those were spoons on his counter. <laughs> Playing the spoons. Here's your host for Final Thoughts, Joe Getty. 
Oh, what a lead-in. Let's get a final <laughs> thought from everybody on the crew. He's our technical director, Michelangelo. Michael, final thought. Yeah, this weekend I officially became an old man. I was offended by homecoming <laughs> by homecoming dresses, complaining to my wife how short they were and how angry I got. And She's like, you're old. And I'm like, yeah, I am old. Yeah. Wow, you ought to be in ISIS. Young uh, Alex is our producer behind the scenes. Alex, final thought? You know, we were treated to some great baseball between the Giants and Dodgers down the stretch, and now we're getting to the playoffs. And I was told by a Dodger fan that we don't really care about the rivalry with the Giants. Who was the first person to text me tell me, Giants suck, you suck, boo. It was a Dodgers fan. There you go. Of course it was. Of course it was. Jack, do you have a final thought for us? Yeah, th- th- this is going to lead to violence. There is going to be violence, more violence. There has been in the past, but more violence against a politician somewhere. It's going to happen if we keep acting like this is okay because we don't want to offend our side. Hey, conservatives, don't do that. Liberals, don't do that. Ain't cool. Uh, In a similar vein, my final thought was going to be what you accept on your side is what you will get on the other side. And don't whine like a baby when it happens. Yeah. Yeah. I don't understand how everybody doesn't get that. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people to thank. So little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. We have a lot of great clicks for you under hot links. You can pick up an A&G t-shirt. Get an I'm Vax No Mask t-shirt and wear it proudly. You can email us if there's something we ought to be talking about it. And also grab the podcast on demand. See you tomorrow. God bless America. Armstrong and Getty. What we witnessed was worse than what we witnessed in slavery. Pull out bad care. Power! Oh, Lord. Go away! Get the void we created furthered the confusion. Oh, so... Uh, Shut up, moron. So, let's go out with a bang. Best undergarments I've ever worn. Some sort of thong? <laughs> yeah, Michael. That's what I'm rocking, the thong. On that high note, thank you all very much. Armstrong and Getty.